Geek Out Loud is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash geekout. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player of your choice. Audibletrial.com slash geekout. Help us out, guys. Come on. Come on, help us out. episode of geek out loud well the force has awakened and we are finally finally here to talk about it it's myself it's our good friend air schernevice we're passing the corn in a galaxy far far away on your safe place to geek out everyone and welcome to geek out loud i'm steve glosson so glad to be along with you on this your safe place to geek out and we are going to be talking about some good stuff tonight now full disclosure i'm working a bit handicapped uh tonight and um and our guest has already suffered because of it uh we are live at mixer.com slash goliverse and with me is my brother from another mother all the way from up the east coast ladies and gentlemen eric schernevice what's up my man well hello my fine sir how are you i'm doing good i'm sorry for the uh the inside baseball sound issues that you and i were both having just then um i didn't get to hear the super friends mix i know and i know the problem i've got a new board and I'm having to. Uh, I've, I've two by four. No, and <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I'm. I'm doing hacksaw Jim Duggan now. Um, oh! This is. Uh, no, I got a new soundboard, and so I have to run things out of it right now. Kind of tricky because I need a new. I need a different cord uh, to run it into my computer the way I had the old board run in. So you need Ray to come in and bypass the systems. For uh, you. Yes, she needs to bypass. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what's got to happen. I've got to bypass the compressor. So <laughs> yeah, I walk in here to the office. I'm like, who put a compressor on the? Puts a strain on the hyperdrive. So um, listen, that's. I, I've seen it. How many times have you seen it, Erish? Twice. Yeah, I've seen it three times now. And, um, geez. I, I, it, we're talking, it being the Force Awakens. And man, I'm all over the board right now. Still, still all over the board. Now, you, I ha- thought we were talking about sisters tonight. What is sisters? The, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler movie that opened on Friday. Oh, you've seen it twice? Isn't that that the movie that everybody's talking about these days? Have you seen it twice? 
No. Oh, okay. I was going to I was like, "Oh man, what I'm missing an opportunity then to really, you know, open up here and get to get real." All I care about is do they have a Wilson Phillips number in Sisters? Someday somebody's going to make you want to turn around and say goodbye. Say goodbye to them, maybe. Are you going to let them hold you down and make you cry? Don't you, Don't you know? <laughs> Don't you know? Things have changed. Things are going away. If you hold on for one more day. <laughs> That is kryptonite to me. Oh, I can't resist that song. Dude, I love it. I love some Wilson Phillips. Not even going to lie. Not even going to lie. Do love if the Wilson Phillips. If I'm in a Phillips. karaoke joint and somebody plays that, forget about and, it. I'm that, all over Eric's it. Eric's just like, that's my jam. That hey, that's my, my jam. jam. <laughs> that is my jam. Come on. What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Oh man! Uh, so anyhow, Eris, thanks for being along. Listen, we talking about Star Wars: The Force Awakens here, Episode Seven, uh, which thank God was in the crawl. I didn't. I never really had any doubt it would be, um, but I heard some other people saying they didn't think it would be, and that got me thinking: What if they don't put Episode Seven in the crawl? That'd, that'd be kind of weird. Well, clearly, the world would have just ended. Yes. Yeah, so, no, we would not be alive today had that yeah. been happening. Um, Dogs that, and cats sleeping together. Mass hysteria. <laughs> Is this true? Yes, it's true. Um, so I, I want to just out of the gate here, throw this throw this to you. In your position at uh, Del Rey, um, you've been living with this story up until the time you saw the movie for about six months. Um, and, and all fair, we talked about how that gave you time to process, but... What I mean, what is that experience like walking around with the knowledge of the story um, and, and just kind of knowing that you know and, and listening to all the speculation? You even sat in, and I, and I told you this off air as well a couple of weeks ago, you sat in on that trailer discussion with us, and you know you laid out when you had to, and it never crossed my mind until like two weeks later that, oh my gosh, Erish knows everything, and we probably sound like a bunch of morons <laughs> talking about this thing. Um, you know, well, first off, it's an honor, you know, to, to be working on these books with Del Rey and, and to, uh, to have the opportunity to work with these great authors and to get to read this stuff. And in this case, in this case, I, I kind of had a choice whether to read it or not. And I chose to read it in early July because I knew I was going to see Alan Dean Foster at San Diego Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk to him about it. Um, one of the cool moments that I had at Star Wars Celebration um, back in the spring was when we were in that costume and props room that had all the kind of our first look at a lot of the Force Awakens stuff. Kind right. of those costume and the First Order armors and BB-8 and the models of the ships and stuff. Like being in that room with Alan and Alan had, you know, he had already started writing. He was already well underway. And just listening to Alan talk about that stuff was just so cool, so amazing. And so when I had the opportunity to read it, knowing that I was going to get to sit and talk with Alan about it and, you know, talk about his experience writing it, that's why I chose to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad I did. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, an interesting, like six months after that, um, <laughs> you know, definitely. And, and, you know, kind of the thing was, it wasn't hard not to talk about it right? because 
I, I mean, one, I absolutely could not. Mm-hmm. So, sure, sure. Right, right, yeah. Even <laughs> if I wanted to, I couldn't. But <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't want to because I didn't want to spoil the experience for people. Right, yeah. You know, I wanted that. I, I, I love that J.J. kept everything so close to the vest on this. I really appreciate that he does that with, with, with his movies. Mm-hmm. One of the things that drives me crazy is that you know, we watch these trailers and, you know, kind of we talked about this a little bit when we were talking about the Batman Superman trailer is you kind of feel like you've seen most of the movie just from that last trailer. Right. Right. And I get frustrated when trailers do this, when, you know, they, they spoil like their big climactic moment. That's like the big moment in the trailer. And then you're just sitting watching the movie and you're like, OK, I haven't seen the pl- the car drive through the front of the plane as it's crash landing. Right. <laughs> you know, so you're just waiting for that moment to happen. Yeah, and, that's true. Yeah. Well, yeah, hey, be careful. I wish more studios and filmmakers would be like that because I think it's a stronger experience for the audience when they actually get to watch the movie. Well, I have three things to say to that to those comments. Uh, number one, yeah, J.J.'s always been that way, though, with his projects. I mean, you look as far back as, like, Cloverfield. Yeah. Several years ago, you know, which Cloverfield is a is a really well made, you know, movie of that handheld. Not handheld's not really the genre, but it's a monster genre done in that handheld camera style that really, you know, I thought was well done for what it was. Um, but it, what was so great leading up to it was kind of the viral marketing here and there. And and still, even with all that, you still didn't really know what was going to be happening in that movie. Same thing with Super 8. Yep. Which, which I love Super 8. Um, I unashamedly love Super 8. I, I think it hits all the right beats and, and all the right notes to be what it's supposed to be. But the marketing for this movie was so good, and I've heard other people say this, and I'm just kind of aping what some people have said, in that all the clips that, that, were, that were released and all the different trailers that came out, you could watch them all and still really have no idea what was going to be going on in this movie, but still want to see it. And and I think that that is you know that that was that was just great marketing on their part, and even <clears throat> I even had non Star Wars fans, friends who um, have never cared about Star Wars who were sucked in by the marketing said I think I'm going to go see this, you know, and and so it did its job and it did its job well like a like a clone trooper. And um and and so I think yeah the, the marketing and everything was great. I just I just think back to that night when the Monday Night Football trailer hit and we're all just sitting there speculating here and there and I just have to imagine um you know what must Arish have thought as we were talking about all this stuff and all this silliness. Uh so um we're going to get Arish back here as we lost him on the Skype. Are you back with us, sir? I am back with you. Great, great. No idea what's going on tonight. The gods the are against us. The empire is jamming my signals. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the podcasting gods are against us. But I was just saying, I, looking back, I, there, there's no telling what must have been going through your mind as, you know, the fanboys and fangirls were all speculating that night when we waited for the Monday Night Football trailer to drop. And, uh, and you're just sitting back like, oh, you children. Oh, you sweet, sweet children. <laughs> I wasn't just sitting back. I mean, I was as crazy excited to see all that stuff as you guys right, were. Right, right. Well, it's one thing to read a story and then another thing to get to see the visuals and everything. So, 
Well, and it also helped that when I read it, I absolutely loved it. I loved every single page. Yeah. And so I finished reading that and it was almost even harder because it was like, I want to see this thing right now. Mm-hmm. And for six months, it's like, I, I cannot wait to see this thing because I had read it. Yeah. I wanted to see it even more. Yeah. Well, and, um, and, and overall, I mean, did it meet up visually now then to your expectations? Yeah, um, what I was really interested to see going into it, uh, the first showing that we went to, that I went to Thursday night with the family, I was really interested uh, to see Snoke, Mm -hmm. and I was really curious about Maz Kanata. Yeah. And Maz Kanata just blew me away. Yeah. I I was so impressed with just that that was a character in the same way that Yoda was mm-hmm. Maz was a character yes. on that screen. Agreed. And I loved every second Agreed. that she was on the screen. Yeah. I, um, it, it's definitely two very different entities with those two, you know, knowing that both were done with the motion capture stuff and, and everything. Um, whereas Maz just to me fit perfectly into star Wars and, the character was fantastic right from the, you know, when she realizes Han has walked in and walks. Oh, by the way, everyone, spoilers. All right. This whole thing's going to be spoiled. So if you're listening to this, if you're in the live chat, you haven't if heard it. If they're listening to this, they've seen the movie already. I, w- I would hope so. But you know how it is, Eric. you got to put that out there these days. I know. I know. If they're um, listening to this, they've seen it multiple times. Hope Hopefully. These are your people, but uh, well, they're they're their own people. But um, I, I would hope that uh, that that people have seen it. But I, I love her from the moment she realizes Hans walked in. She walks up to him and where's my boyfriend? Yeah, and he says Chewie's working on the Falcon, and she just looks at the other two. She's like, I really like that Wookie, you know. I and I was just immediately sold on her. I just really liked her and what she did. Snoke, on the other hand, was a bit of a sticking point for me. Not the character. But the visualization of the character, um, he was a little. There, there were moments like, and I guess it's just the Andy Circus of the character. But there was a moment where he kind of got a scowl on his face and a mean look in his eye, and, and he looked just like Gollum um, from Lord of the Rings. And like I had to say, from Lord of the Rings. Um, and and then there were other moments where you know and I, and and this is with my friends and I've not really listened to anyone talk too much about this movie to be honest with you, uh, other than friends that I've actually spoken with in person. Um, and there were other moments where I looked at him like he looks too much like Voldemort, like he was just kind of un. He looked like too many other things, but also looked not very striking enough to me. It was a, it was this weird thing. Character wise, I'm really interested to get to know him more. And and really see where where they're going to take him and and what you know and who he is and what he's all about and obviously you know he's uh, he's he's obviously filled the power vacuum that that was left by the emperor um, and and I'm sure that in the aftermath stories and everything we'll get to see that you know no no reason to talk about that but I, just from a visual standpoint I just wasn't too impressed you know. Um, and and so I and and I know that uh, and there's going to be other things where I talk about where I wasn't too impressed. <laughs> well, I I think with, with with Snoke for me, I actually had a little bit of the opposite reaction to you. I oh, felt really? like I didn't see enough of Andy Circus in him. Okay. 
You know, yeah. we we've kind of grown accustomed to to Andy playing Gollum and now Caesar mm-hmm. and Kong and stuff. Where you start to see, you start to see some of his mannerisms right. and the characters that he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and and when he's not playing a mocap character, when he actually gets to be Andy Serkis on screen, like we saw in uh, Age of Ultron. Like he's a guy who you know he can really chew the scenery yeah. around him. Give yeah. us a really lively, like fun character, even if that character is just a vile, evil person. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was, uh, I don't know. I just, I was hoping for more too. I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. But I just didn't see Andy in that character at all. Yeah. Well, and it, you know, and and I'll be honest with you, when I first saw him. I was like, and of course, this is this was an issue that was addressed immediately at the end of that scene. When the scene first started, I'm like, "What? Are, since when are there giants in Star Wars?" You know, I started to have that geek reaction, right? And and um and I'm like, okay, I guess I got. And I and this was the conversation I was having myself with that scene's going on the first time I saw it. I guess I got to get used to giants in Star Wars, you know, that kind of thing. And then it turns out to be a hologram. And what's kind of interesting to me is. And some, and I forget who said this to me. One of the friend, one of my friends I was hanging out with said, it. "What if when we actually see him physically in person, he is diminutive in the same way that a Yoda or Maz Kanata is?" Yeah, my nephew, my nephews and I were joking around that he's really just like two inches tall. Yeah, kind of like the wizard. Like what? Yeah, what if he's like old uh, Meeber Gascon from the uh, from the Star Wars, uh, the Clone Wars cartoon? You know, and and but but you know, if you think back to Empire. You know, the first time we see the em- the emperor, it's this big, huge head mm-hmm. looming over Vader as the holocron, yep. as, as the hologram. So, but it was, but it like, was also blatantly recognized that it was a hologram. Right, but you know, this is thirty years later. Their technology is a little bit better. Sure, I I mean I get that, and I get that it, but I guess my thing well, is, and I think too, it's it's a little of the Wizard of Oz thing mm-hmm. too, right? You know, you, you know, the wizard is truly just this guy behind a curtain, but he projects this big scary thing to intimidate people. So mm-hmm. I think that that's part of what Snoke's got going on there too. Yeah, Kylo Ren may actually know who he is and like, you know, in reality, what he looks like, but who's to say that general Hux does it. Right. Right. So, you know, he's project and, you know, just outside the two of them, everybody, all the officers and troopers and stuff that are there on star killer base are like walking outside this giant, enormous cavernous room, knowing that this is where they go to meet Snoke. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just like, Oh my God, like how big is this guy? What, why do they need such a huge room and stuff? Like it just, <laughs> you know, it, it's it, it starts to create the myth, yeah, the, you I know, can, the, the intimidation and the fear and stuff to keep everybody in line. I can hear the conversations now. I heard his mother was a space slug. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I heard he's the product of of rancor love. You know that kind of <laughs> Rank, rancor love. Get some of that rancor. Get love. some of that rancor love. Um, yeah, but I mean, and I guess in that moment, though, the fact that, I, look, I'm willing to accept technology has come that far in the Star Wars universe that they're able to have clear holograms and transmissions, that sort of thing. That's fine. No qualms with that. But it's undeniable that that scene was played for the sole purpose of faking out the audience. And I love that. I'm like, what is this giant in Star Wars? This is awesome. 
And then it's like, oh wow, he's just a hologram. I loved it. He pulled, he pulled the, uh, you know, the the wool over my eyes on that. That he rickrolled me on that. Yeah, he rickrolled you. Uh, see, I just don't know that. I guess the, I don't know. I to me, that's just something that's never really has it. I mean, I'm trying to go back and think. Other than the Luke, I'm your father thing, I don't know that it's ever been done. You know, rickrolled. Yeah, in Star Wars to be rickrolled in Star Wars. Yeah. You know, it's, well, I think that Luke and Leia being brother and sister was a surprise okay. to That's a, well, it's a, a, a lot of people, you know, at least to those who weren't like crazy obsessed with Star Wars like we were when mm-hmm. we were 13 years old and had read everything before it. But, you know, I, I thought I thought it worked. Yeah. I'm even more curious about him now because of that. I am curious about him. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's got pieces of his face falling off. And stuff. So yeah, that's that's going to be interesting. And I want to get out. Look, I want to I want to be completely honest with everyone because I I don't and I and I told you this off offline too. I, I'm afraid I'm letting everyone down because I'm not as over the moon about the film as everyone else is. Um, and and so I wanted to go ahead and get some quibbles out of the way first. Quibbles right. is quibble is, away. All right. The first the, the the I guess the big thing is. I, and I said this way back when we found out that J.J. Abrams was going to be directing and, and that sort of thing, um, or that sort of thing, yeah, that he was going to be directing. And and I said early on that I think that J.J. as a fan will understand it and he'll get it, and and hopefully he won't forget that there is a very particular visual language to the Star Wars cinematic universe. Um you know, and, I, and and let me preface this by saying I understand that when we get into our standalone films, those anthology films, the Star Wars stories, you know that that visual language can go away, and that'll be fine. But I feel like in the enumerated films, that there's a certain visual language that was established in both trilogies, both you know pre-existing trilogies. Which now, this is a, now this is one thing I heard on something else just today. Um, is are now. The, is now the original trilogy? Aren't they now prequels? <laughs> so, anyhow, there's a visual. It's a prequel trilogy and the original trilogy. I know, I know. I've just. I think it's funny though that now we can just say they're all prequels. I just feel like that there are a few things visually that weren't done that that caused me as a viewer to feel like, well, this feels different. This doesn't feel like star Wars. And it comes down to just cinematography things. There were wipes, you know, the way they did the old wipes back in the day with, with all six movies, they were there, but many times it was like they were trying to hide them because it's like, Oh, well, this is kind of a lame way of editing. Um, but, but I feel like that was a little off putting. The other thing is, there was a lot of to-do made about practical effects, and, and the practical effects were definitely there, and it's great. Um, but there are a few times where it's like you could have touched some stuff up with a little computer, you know. And I know they did with a few things, um, but there's one moment in particular, and this is very nitpicky, but there's one moment in particular when Ray is, is headed back to town on her speeder, and the shot in the foreground is just a bird pecking away at a piece of metal. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that thing looks like a reject from the Tiki Room at Disney World. You know, I thought that bird looked cool. I see. I didn't. I I, I thought, thought it looked like 
it was emaciated and beat up from living on Jakku right. for all those years. It's got arthritis. It's got arthritis. It, it, okay. you know, is that why it, it's is... got joints that are all like filled with sand? Can barely move. It's all rickety and creaky. It worked for me. Okay, see, it didn't work with me because it just felt too animatronic, and and it and again, it's one of those moments that just kind of took me out, you know. And I was like, okay, so oh, all right, that's fine. I see. Maybe they're going for that kind of feel. And that's great, fine, wonderful, terrific, great. But then when we would switch to digital effects, um, digital moments, uh, the Wrath Tars, for example. Um, or switching into the incredible, awesome Falcon chase there on Jakku, which was amazing. It, there were just moments, they didn't seem to blend well to me, the digital and the practical stuff. Like, like there was so much attention on the, on the practical side of things that, that somehow the digital did not blend as well as I would have liked to have seen it blend into the practical stuff. And again, and and I and please understand, everyone, I didn't sit down saying, "Well, I'm going to really pick this thing apart." I sat down. You sent me a text a half an hour before you went into this that said, "I'm going to sit down and pick this thing apart." No, I, that's not <laughs> <laughs> lie out loud. With Eric went to the Obi Wan School of Truth, is what Eric did. <laughs> From a certain point of view. <laughs> From a certain point of view, yeah, yeah. No. Well, I think I think it'll be interesting to whenever the making of book for this comes out. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be really interesting to read because I'm wondering how much, you know, how much the the digital effects may have been rushed a little bit in right. this because the schedule was tightened so much due to Harrison's injury. Right. Right. You know, they, they had to shut down principal photography for a good amount of time there. And when you do that, you know, it, it's possible that in doing so, they lost that amount of time on the back end for the digital effects to be done on some of the shots. Now, granted, it's not going to be on everything. Right. You know, the Falcon chase and stuff like that isn't dependent on the principal photography. But other scenes where you're mixing practical effects in with your your main lead actors you know, they may have initially intended to to beef those shots up with some digital elements also that they might have had to cut short on right. or a band. I'm just speculating sure. here. But, you know, it, it just commenting on your your thoughts on this. Mm -hmm. I, I'm curious if that did actually take a toll in it. it may, you know, and I haven't even thought about that. And it may very well have. There may very well have been some things that that had to be a little more rushed than they would have liked, you know? Um, uh, so, you know, and I honestly, I, I've, like I say, I've seen it three times. The second time, everything was a lot more palatable because I was prepared for, you know, to, you're to, ready for the arthritic. Bird. I was ready for the arthritic bird. Exactly. Um, but now, now, and I, and I, and again, I'm about to sound really harsh, and I want everyone to understand, I don't mean to be. We're, we're going to transition momentarily into just how wonderful this movie is. But Maz's castle is obviously supposed to be a throwback to the cantina. Um, 
you know, an, an homage kind of thing, you yes. know, and, and that's, and it's, and that's fine. That's it's wonderful. Supposed to invoke that spirit. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, however, in, in Maz's castle, the, the camera never rests very long on any aliens the way it did in the cantina scene with the exception of the, with a couple that are key to the story moments there, whether it's the, the microphone droid who alerts the resistance or the girl sitting on the big fat Bosque that, you know, goes and alerts the first order or the two guys that Finn is going to go try to get a flight to the outer rim with that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, everything else is just quick motions. You don't really see except for a table with three critters that are, and I'm sorry to use a similar criticism that people leveled at Jabba's palace in 1983, yeah, they look like something out of Dark Crystal. I, I can take you to the episode of The Muppets that those things are in. I mean, like, sincerely. I was look, When I saw them initially, I'm like, oh, I've seen those on The Muppets Show. You know, Kermit the Frog went to Coosbane. That's where they're from, the planet Coosbane. And I was just like, is this really what has happened here? And then that caused me then to be overly... You know, the next few times I saw it, the next couple of times I saw it, be overly... Uh, observant of any of the other aliens. And on Jakku, I give it a pass, and a lot of them kind of look the same because they're all wearing face plates and stuff, you know, and it's obviously because of the harsh, harsh conditions of living. So it's like, cool, I get it. But dude, Uncar Platt looks like a Doctor Who alien. And and as and, and and as much as the alien uh, the, the the guy that was selling the the food for seven whoopie whoopie to jar jar and and the phantom menace looks like something from the power rangers th- that guy looked like one of the sun Karens from doctor who and i just really felt like that there in the creature shop something there was a disconnect on something you know, and I don't understand why there weren't peppered in outside of Akbar and Nine Numb. I don't understand why there weren't peppered in a few creatures here and there that we're familiar with. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen like an Athorian or yeah. something like that worked in. Right. I, de- I definitely agree with you there, but I think that uh, all right, uh, on the uh, on on your Muppet creatures mm-hmm. with their little cameo. Let's remember that there was a pod with ETs in it in one of the prequel movies. That's, so, but I, I mean, they do stuff like that. I get, yeah, I understand, um, but but it was so. And, and as for as for not lingering on any of the creatures at Maz's in in a New Hope when we get to the cantina. We really haven't seen an alien yet. We've seen right. a Jawa, right. and that's about it. And it, we've seen a Jawa so, and a Tusken Raider. True. Jawa and a Tusken Raider. Mm-hmm. So, and both just covered in cloth. You know, we, we still don't really know what a Jawa looks like. Right, right. Um, and likewise, a Tusken Raider. We mm-hmm. don't know what their, their actual face looks like. Right. So, when we get to the cantina, you know, it's like... There are there are other creatures, other beings, other species, aliens, whatever you want to call them in this universe. Mm-hmm. We're going to linger on them for a little bit to really emphasize this and show you that they're there. Coming into The Force Awakens, we already know. Mm-hmm. 
you know, so you don't have to do these these long lingering shots on each one. It's just about, you know, working your way through the room and continuing on with the story. Would I like to have seen some shots? Yeah. Like, I, I'm just like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Who are these two guys sitting at the table? What are they doing? Or what's that really tall guy or the furry guy in the background? Yeah, I wanted more shots of those guys. Um, but, you know, we'll start to see, you know, that the next two issues of Star Wars Insider are probably going to have, like, details on. Here's all of the, the denizens of Maz, of Maz Kanata's castle. Yeah. Or, you know, that's what the visual dictionary does now. Sure. Yeah, I, I just... Like I say, it, but it was something that, that kind of bothered me because at the same time, this is also a movie that is introducing a new generation to Star Wars. Right. You know, and and one of the things that captured the imagination with that original was the cantina scene. Uh, i, I got to actually say that I thought that the, the bigger issue with Maz Kanata's castle was why did they go there in the first place? <laughs> um. Uh, why couldn't Han have just gone straight to Leia? He's I, but, got the droid because he didn't want to. I mean, that's what that moment. Uh, yeah, all, yeah, I guess. Okay, you I know, see that's that. what that moment all comes down to is he didn't want yeah, to. Yeah, he wants to drop them there and have Maz get them. He doesn't right. want to see Leia. Right. You know, and um, he and, still could have just like, dust, you know, dusted the Falcon down and rolled the droid off the ramp and bolted out of there. that's right yeah go 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 down kick the no, kick the I, ball I out of there it. i just i i didn't i didn't see that aspect yeah. of it so good point um but yeah so i look it's so funny because as i was criticizing this movie after i wasn't talking about the after we first saw it i just wasn't talking i wasn't talking because i was so conflicted because all that was coming up in my mind were the things that i was having a problem with and when we finally started talking about it some of the other people started expressing some of their issues and I immediately went on the defense. I'm like, no, wait now you can't. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so, I'm such a, I'm such a torn individual over this thing. It's, it's ridiculous uh, because there is so much I love. The final thing that's very nitpicky and very specific is the final shot. Um, it, it's a camera. It's a, it's a helicopter shot that, swings around yeah. our characters and then Iris is out into the credits. And I just, I feel like, you know, JJ Abrams is a professed star Wars fan. He's a director with an eye for movie making. And I feel like the one thing that he should have gotten just dead on right. And, and it was a, and it was a shot that lended itself to being set up perfectly that way was that static camera shot on our characters as the, as the Iris is out into the credits. Um, yeah. And I really I wholly and, agree with you on that. And so, and I, and again, I know that's a real nitpicky thing, but to me, it's part of that visual language of Star Wars. Yep. That that, that helicopter shot is like straight out of like Mission Impossible, right? Or something right. like that. You yeah. Know, cliffhanger or like every Stallone movie that he he basically ever did. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. He would have had a helicopter shot in the Rocky movies if he could have figured out a way to get a helicopter in the arena. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, now with drone technology, we got that figured out. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. That really, I mean, I was totally sold on that until that last shot, and it mm -hmm. just sucked me right out of the moment. Yeah, I, I mean, like, that's this, the thing. This is not Star Wars. Yeah, that's the thing. When Luke pulls that hood down and the look he's got, I mean, he looked amazing. 
Yeah. Like he looked like a Jedi rock star BA guy, you know. Well, he looked like a tortured soul. Yeah, man. well, yeah. I mean, all, there was so much going on like with him. The weight of the galaxy was on his shoulders and had been for decades. He did amazing acting in one moment without saying a word. Yeah. You know, it was fan and then Ray's got this look on her face like I that all I know to do is give you this. You know, I will say something else about that whole scene, and I think you'll probably agree with me, that I would have taken one look at those stairs and turned around about like, Chewie, you're flying me to the top. <laughs> yeah, we've got, a, we've got a ship that flies. Exactly. <laughs> Chewie, you're not just going to sit down here. Come on, you're flying me up to the top. I'm not climbing all these stairs. That's right. That's right. R2, do those rockets still work? You know. <laughs> And, and, and I get that the stairs are part of, you know, it's part of the journey to, right. to reach the master at the top and stuff. But I also think that saving your energy and not risking a heart attack on the way up, that shows wisdom. Right. It shows you're taking advantage of everything that you have to offer. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you don't need a 15-minute break to catch your breath when you get to the top. You can just, you're fresh and can go right into training. Yeah. Well, to be fair... Ray is in a much better shape than you or I, sir. True. And she was, you know, hurting for breath a couple times there. That's right. That's right. So, um, but yeah, so, so really, honestly, those are, those are my quibbles with it. And, and the only reason I bring it up is because it was enough, particularly in my first viewing, to pull me out of the film so that I did not get the gut punches that a lot of people got. And I didn't come away, you know, with all the tingly feelings that everyone got. I there was more emotion the same emotions that I had it during Creed um you know going in that 12th round of that final fight I had as the credit as the opening crawl began to roll like I was leaned up in my chair and when when Star Wars hits the screen that music hits and it began to roll I I rolled a tear and as I read, Luke Skywalker has vanished. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's great. You know, it's it's that he's the driving force. It's not his lightsaber that is the driving force of this movie, as we've all been hearing for you know a year and a half now, and and been speculating. People have been speculating. It's him. It's the person of Luke Skywalker who has vanished. You know, and 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 I'm oh, I was just like right there, and then as the movie progressed and happened, like I said, there were so many things that pulled me out that I wasn't able to get emotionally involved again in the same way. Now on subsequent viewings that did happen. Like it grabbed me the right way where it was supposed to, and probably in, in some more surprising ways. Uh, but I want to get into that, but I, I haven't mentioned yet guys. Um, of course, you know, look, star Wars is great. There's all kinds of things. It's Christmas time, all kinds of collectibles out there. Amazon.com is a place to get them. Head over to geekoutpodcast.com or geekoutonline.com. Use the Amazon links there. Do all of your Amazon shopping. It helps the shows out in a big, bad way. And thank you to everyone who's been using those uh, links to do your shopping and, and getting some stuff done. You've really helped out the shows, and we need it. Mixler's prices have gone up to do the live broadcasting. There's been a lot of different things happen uh, cost-wise to keep these shows going the way we do them. And, uh, and so we need your support in that way, and you help us out in a big, bad way by doing that. The same way you do directly at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Uh, if you want to support the shows directly, you can do that. Um, we've got three this month. I did three commentaries for the prequels and I've got the original trilogy coming up. I believe next week I'm going to have the week off. So I'll have a chance to sit down and do some original trilogy commentary. 
and uh, and finally get all those things up so you can, you know, I don't know why anyone wants to listen to me talk for two hours over a movie, but I'll do it for you guys. That's patreon.com slash geekoutloud where you can uh, support the show directly, and we appreciate your support in that way. Now, Eric. Thank you so Thank much. you so much. Now, <clears throat> I... I don't really know where to start because now the love fest is about to begin. Ooh. Um, so. <laughs> well, let, let's. I, I think let's. let's... <laughs> that took a minute to settle. I'm like, the love fest is about to begin. Irish goes, ooh. <laughs> I, think, I think we should start with the obvious. Let's talk about how amazing Ray is. Yes. Yes. Uh, I mean, she is. I. Huge, huge fan of her, and yes. just Daisy Ridley. Like, what, what a way to make an entrance, you know, onto the big global scene. Um, I just was so impressed with her throughout the movie, both the actress and the character. Agreed, agreed. She is, you know, uh, there. Obviously, you can make the comparisons to Luke in A New Hope, but she is. Something so much different, and and especially as, she, as her story goes along, you know she's not someone who's longing for adventure or excitement. She wants to leave Jakku, but she doesn't want to do it until her family comes back. She to has get to her. wait for her family, right? And and I just love the idea that this is not someone who is bound by responsibility or duty. This is someone who is bound by the longing of family to a place where they don't want to be. And, and, and she just is hopeful that one day she's going to get out of there. But she also, dude, that shot of her sitting there eating outside the ad at, mm-hmm. you know, and, and she just kind of just whimsically puts that old X-Wing fighter helmet on and, and just is looking around, you know, she just, she's like, all right, this is a good day. You know, made a little bit of food sitting in the shade. It's a good day. Made myself some green puffy bread. Yeah, had some had some green, yeah, it's a, <laughs> some green slimo. Yeah, some back in the day. Yeah, back it, gonna. I licked my bowl clean. You know, I love that she's not like cultured necessarily. She's and dude, she's tough. That moment when when the when Uncar's thugs are trying to steal BB-8, and she just kicks their butt. Yeah, and and Finn sees it and like he's gonna go help, and then he realizes, oh, she's oh. got this. And then I love that she just charges after Finn, too. Yeah, yeah. When, she doesn't, like, saunter up to him and be like, so, that jacket, you know? Right. The, the droid says that you stole that jacket. It's, <laughs> she just, like, bolted after him. Yeah. Like, she was going to kick butt first, ask questions afterwards. Yeah, yeah. It's She is a great character. And she does, Ray does, um, Daisy really does so much, you know, with with what she's given there's that moment where she's sitting there cleaning off her little piece and she stops and what was cut in the trailer to make it look like she was longingly watching a ship take off yeah she's looking across the table at an old lady who's basically doing the same thing and she's kind of seeing her future yeah in that old lady and so there's more there's less longing and more kind of concern like is this what i'm headed for is this what i'm headed for and um you know, so there's that there is that conflict in her to want more, but still waiting on her family. And it's just uh I don't know that she's 
I don't know that she's really wanting more, though, other than, you know, an extra portion for the goods that she's turning in. Right. You know, I think that what she's looking for really is belonging. I think that, you know, later in the movie, that great scene where Han offers her a job. Mm hmm. And she's just all excited. It's not necessarily about getting the job. It's about, you know, I think that the two of them, like, right away kind of have feel this connection to each other. And, you know, it's it's about him accepting her and wanting her to be around. You know, I think that that's kind of, in my mind, that's what was, like, feeling, fueling her excitement there. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the job was great, too, because... Uh, she very much comes across as a character that has a very strong work ethic. She's not just sitting around on her butt all day. She's out there, like, you know, repelling through Star Destroyers and, you know, speeding across horrible desert conditions. And, you know, she's working her butt off to get those little packages of food. Um, Yeah, and she's also knowledgeable, though. She's also not unintelligent with what she's doing right you know that's that's the thing and and it and all that scavenging plays into her abilities later on as a pilot as a mechanic and all this she's a very practical mind yeah yeah it's not not a flighty like you know uh dreamy kind of mind it's like it's a i'm gonna get the job done however i need to do it kind of mind um Let's can we talk about Jakku for a second? Sure. You know, there was a lot of speculation that Jakku was just another name for Tatooine. I'm gonna say this. I think Jakku seems a lot more desolate than Tatooine. I feel like because and, and maybe it's just because of the time we spent in Moss Espa and later in Moss Eisley, but I feel like that Tatooine it maybe because of its connections to Jabba the Hutt, you know, back for so right. long or whatever the case seems to have a little bit more life to it um, yeah. than what we got to see on Jakku. I mean, because if you're Ray and and you're doing all this work just for food, you know, you've got to wonder, is there not somewhere else you can go and actually work for something different? You know, is she just staying put thinking, well, this is where my family left me. This is where they'll find me. There's, there's a lot, but that, that planet does seem a lot more desolate in some ways than, than Tatooine to me. Well, and didn't you get the sense, too, that Ray might have sort of been like a kept person on Jakku? And, and what, what, how do you mean? In that, uh, you know, the, the flashback scene, and, yeah. and I'm sorry, I, I don't know the name of the character, the guy who doles out the food to her. Uncar Platt. Uncar Platt. Yeah, the Doctor but, Who alien. Like, in the flashback scene, isn't he the guy who's holding her as a young child, like, pulling her along? I think that's what we're to understand, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, the way he doles out the rations to her, you know, it's it, it's very kind of controlling. Right. You know, in that first scene where she's at the table, like, polishing her things, and, like, the little metal mask thugs come by and like you know kind of scold her a little bit it's like she's being watched Mm -hmm. it's like you know they're keeping an eye on her making sure that she's you know not doing anything she shouldn't be doing sort of thing and and i'm not necessarily saying she's a prisoner but it kind of felt like if she wanted it like if she wanted to leave the planet they wouldn't let her go right right 
Yeah, I can see and, that. And, and uh, it's not necessarily just her. Maybe it's a lot of the denizens there, and she's just another one of them. Um, but it's like it just felt sort of controlling. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely get that. I, I, okay, I see what you're saying, and I and I and I, I tend to agree, which makes me then. I have a, that, and and thus I have a problem with the idea that she is an offspring of Luke, or even Han and Leia. I I, I don't think she's not. I think, I think she had something to do with, with you know whatever Luke had going on before Kylo. Mm-hmm. You know, before Ben became Kylo. Right. You know, I think that she was part of that scene, and you know, my theory is that. You know, maybe her parents were students of Luke's or something, and they were able to hide her away at the last second. Hmm. But I don't think she's—I don't think she's Luke's child. And 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 my—I believe that because I think that that's that's their way of honoring George. George has always been adamant that the Jedi don't marry, that they don't right. have children. Right. You know that Luke doesn't marry. Luke doesn't have kids. And I think that even though, you know, they're, you know, George is George and he's the guy who created all this, you know, for the most part, if they want to do something with the story, they're going to do something with the story. But I think when it comes to Luke, they're going to be very, very uh, respectful to George's ideas of who sure. Luke Skywalker was. Well, and not and so only because of that, I don't think that Luke. And the other thing, too, is if it's Luke's child, like, you know, who is the mother? And if there is no mother, it makes him a bastard father. Nobody wants that for Luke. Well, exactly. That's the whole point, that even if it's no matter who it is, at some point, she was basically abandoned on this planet. Um, I think she's hidden away on that planet. And and Unkar Plot is taking advantage of that. Okay. I mean, I guess I can see that. It's just kind of a to hide away on that particular planet in those No, you just said nobody goes there. Yeah, but those circumstances that she's left in though. You know, I mean, at least Luke when he was hidden away on Tatooine was with family and Obi-Wan kind of watched him from a distance. I mean, she because just Obi-Wan was there to watch him, but we don't know what went down with Kylo and with Luke, there may not have been anybody to watch her. There may not have been any, you know, it might've been just like quick, get her out of here, hide her away someplace where nobody will ever find her. Mm-hmm. And Grant, this, this is only my fanboy theory. Yeah. This is not based on anything that I might or might not know or whatever. It's just my theory from watching this movie twice. Well, at this point, in existence. I mean, let's just put that out there for everyone. At this point, when it comes to the seven, eight, nine, <laughs> you know, you're now back to knowing what we all know. Mm. As far as just the movie. Okay, never mind. All right, moving on. Uh, I hear. I thought that that I kind of came up with an idea, and and I haven't really fleshed it out. That maybe Max von Sydow's character had been there to watch her. And when he says this should begin to make things right, it may be because he 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 let go of that whole job potentially. Right. You know, that's possible. And because that, I mean, that's a that's kind of an interesting line to start the whole. That maybe this will make maybe this will begin to make things right. 
who is this guy that needs to make this stuff right? Right. You know, Teresa, and, and you guys will hear this on either at the end of this episode or at the end of the next episode. Teresa, you know, mentioned she thinks he may be from Alderaan. He may be an Alderanian. Well, he says that to him, Leia is royalty. Right, so, right. You know, that led me to believe that he was Alderanian also. And what's his name? Van Took something? Max von Sydow. No, no, no. The the character. Lar, Lar Van... I, I should have... Lars von Trier? Lar, yeah, Lar, the von Trapp family of the von... Yeah. <laughs> of the Austrian von Trier. I think they just should have called him Max von Sydow. That's a great Star that Wars That is a great name. Star Wars name, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Lore Von Tika. Thank you, Blessed Cheesemaker. Lore Von Tika. Yeah, I feel like that that he's, you know, and again, and this is one of the things that the movie does well because I feel like one of the things that Star Wars, when Star Wars is at its best, it presents you with a few questions to sit around and talk about later. You know, like, who is this guy? What was he doing there? And what was he trying to make right? Because everything starts on Jakku. Ray is on Jakku. And and so this dude was there. And it's just kind of a it's a it's a strange coincidence, you know, but and I guess there are coincidences coincidences that take place in the old Star Wars uh, often, but you know, a lot of times it's more about connections than coincidences in the Star Wars. Right. And and so I just feel like maybe there was something there and he kind of let it down. And that's the only way I could see this being, you know, either Han and Leia's kid that Han didn't know about or, you know, some connection there to the Solo Skywalker situation where yeah. they were trusting this guy and he let him down. Um, I, I got to believe it's not Han or Leia's kid either. Like, it's just... Because wouldn't either of them have recognized her also? You would think so. That's that. Yeah, that's the thing, you know. And, and the other thing, too, is like the galaxy is so huge. Mm -hmm. Like everybody doesn't have to be related to everybody. You know, I like I like this idea that she is that she is somebody else, that she's not related to anybody that we know so far. She's not related to Obi-Wan or. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I just I, I like the idea of her just being Ray. I listen. I'm there. I'm down with that. I'm I'm down with it. I'm not. I'm not. Pro, I'm not a proponent of any of the related theories. Um, in fact, I came out early and said, or you know, before the movie, and said I don't know that any of these characters are related to Solos and Skywalkers. Um, and so when when <laughs> yes, oh man, when uh, when Von Tecca says tells him i know where you came from i'm like okay he's the one and he's the connection yeah um and and i'm okay with that i'm i'm really okay with that but overall regardless of her her connections to anyone she's a great character with a great future i think and and just uh i'm ready to i here's the thing all the new characters dachshund in the chat says maybe she's a shaved wookie yeah <laughs> There he is. She's related to Chewie. She can talk to him. Yeah, she that's understands. Why, that's why they like each other so much. She understands that thing. Um, but I I really like all of the new characters and can't wait to spend more time with them. Yeah. And that's and I think that's very key. You know, I, I think that's really super key that 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 that, that takes place. I I don't know how we can get to know more about old Lords Van Tekka or Tika, but I'm 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 interested to know more. 
yeah, about I think him. Somewhere down the line, there's going to be more on that yeah. guy. Um, Finn is is a new type of character like we've never seen before in Star <clears throat> Wars. We've never seen the stormtrooper decide not to be a stormtrooper. You know, not in the movie verse of things, you know. Well, we, and he doesn't really want to be the hero either. He just wants to hide away. He, he wants to get away from them, but he he keeps being forced into these circumstances where he knows he can't do that. He's got to step up. And, and, and I really dug that about him. I, I love the moment when they get to Starkiller Base and he's like, I work sanitation. Yeah, and uh, and Han's like, what? You know, like Han's. Well, well, first off, how great is it that Han just keeps calling him big deal? Big, yes. After he says, I, "You need to know I'm a big deal in the resistance." All right, big deal. Here's something you need to know. Women know when you're. They always find out the truth. You know, um, yeah. When he's, <laughs> he does keep calling him big deal. Yeah, but he's like, I work. And then he's like, Well, what do you think? You're...? He's like, The force will get us. That's not how the not force how works. works. <laughs> I, I was convinced. You are cold? Yeah. <laughs> Should we giving Han his coat uh, back? Too? Yes, that was a great moment. The look that Han gives him when he does. I I oh, like so many great Han moments. There were there really were. I like that Finn, um, you know, because of Finn, you know, FN two one eight seven that we get to. How about I can remember FN two one eight seven, but I can't uh, remember Max von Sydow's name. Impressive. Uh, Most impressive. um, But we find out how they've been doing stormtroopers in the First Order. They've basically been taking kids from their families and just brainwashing them. them up. Yeah, conditioning them. You know? Um, I like, you know, but yeah, Finn is just, he's great. From the minute they're doing that raid on Jakku and he doesn't shoot, you know that's Finn. You know that's who that's going to be. And... uh, well, and they helped you out too by putting the, the the blood marks on yeah. his helmet. Yeah, right. But but uh, but it, it well, it was interesting anyway to be following one stormtrooper. That's that's another thing yeah. we've never done. You know, from the outset of that film, we're following this one stormtrooper for a little while, and you're like, why are we doing this? And then it's like, oh, okay. Um, but right from his escape, yeah, he's he's like, why does everyone want to go back to Jakku? You know, I love that. That's his big. He's like, let's we got to get away from there. Yeah. Um. And he does. He wants to run until Ray is in danger, and that's when he's like, okay, this is you know, I'm going to step up for her. It's all about her. Uh, do you think they'll end up being space married? I think Finn and Poe are going to wind up being space married. Is that the bromance of the year? Yeah, or what? that's the bromance. That's the one that everybody's <laughs> shipping on uh, on social media. I, I'm looking for it right now. There was a fantastic meme that was going around today. The the scene from the trailer, and we see it in the movie too, where you know they're everybody's scrambling to get to their ships, and Finn and Poe kind of cross each other and look at each other and put their, their hands on each other's shoulder and then walk away. Yes. Yeah. Somebody turned it into a four panel meme where it's just like, bro, 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 let's tell the world that we're, let's tell the galaxy that we're bros. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's amazing. That is so Yeah. I love, I love their relationship right from the get go. You know, when they're in the, when, when Finn's like, I'm breaking you out of here. Are you with the resistance? No, I'm breaking you out of here. Why are you Why are you doing this? It's the right thing to do. You need He's a like, pilot. You need a pilot. I need a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
and they're trying, they're flying away. Once they get away, and he's like, "What's your name?" FN two one eight seven. FN. I'm not going to call you that. That's the name they gave me. Well, I'm going to call you Finn. Great. It's good to meet you, Poe. Good to meet you, Finn. Now let's do. You know, and it's just like, oh, that's sweet, and uh, it's just such a every everything about Finn. I just love, and it's like again. I want him to be okay, and I want to spend time with him. And I'm glad he wasn't a Jedi. You know, I, yeah. it was great misdirection in the marketing. I know a lot of people thought that he was going to be, but I kind of had the sense that he would not be. Especially once we saw images of the Stormtrooper with the, uh, basically the Manga Guard staff on a on a nightstick. Yeah. Um, and Manga, Magna Guard, not Manga Guard, Magna Guard on a nightstick. And so... Uh, I said, okay, so he's got training as to how to use hand-to-hand combat weapons. So that's why he's going to be able to use a lightsaber. Um, and we never see him do anything super impressive with it. You know, he gets a stab in at Kylo at the end. But he holds his own. He does, yeah. I'm not, look, I'm, I couldn't do it. I'm just saying, like, as far as, like, deflecting blasters or anything like that. We don't we don't see that pulled out. So so he's not necessarily, he's not using the Force, but he's he's confident in hand-to-hand combat and uh i mean he runs that one stormtrooper through just out of nowhere which was pretty cool um but yeah i i really dug him and like i say because of the bromance poe is one of my new favorite star wars characters of all time poe dameron ladies and yeah, gentlemen he's fantastic he is he's got all the swagger of han solo but he's also he's not as gruff and and as as hard-edged as han and and so it's a different again it's a different kind of it's it's not the same what they're giving us are kind of archetypal characters but are but they're not repeats of what we had in our original cast right and and poe is just he's so great he's got all the one-liners and he's got and he's like i say he's got that swagger of han solo but when bb8 comes rolling to him he's like hey buddy you know it's like yeah, all that just drips away, you know, and he does. He hugs Poe, you know, they see well, each other. Well, when he sees Finn and he hugs him, right. and he's like, that's my jacket. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, keep it. It suits you. It, it suits you. Oh, man. It was great. And and he was great. And um, I love that one sequence, too, where, you know, the, the, the battle at Maz's castle where you see his X-Wing. Mm-hmm just like going through all the maneuvers and taking everybody out as Poe is watch as Finn is watching yeah. it all happen. Yep. And Finn's just like, that's the best pilot in the galaxy. Yeah. That's one hell of a pilot. I think is what he says. Yeah. Uh, I love that shot that and I really didn't catch it the first time around. The second time around, I really appreciated how cool that little sequence was. It's yeah. Because like he takes out a, he takes out some guys on the land and he pulls up and takes out a tie fighter swings around takes out another tie fighter takes out some more guys on land right there near poe or near finn and then pulls back up and gets another tie fighter yeah you know he's just he's just awesome you know he's an awesome pilot his 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 first interaction with kylo ren where he's like so how does this work do i talk first you talk first yeah and then kylo ren starts he's like it's hard to understand you with that whole apparatus thing there So uh, I'm scrolling through Twitter. I'm trying to find that meme so I can uh, forward it on to you. But talking about the Finn Poe bromance Mm -hmm. 
uh, Geek Girl Diva sent out uh, a tweet. Um, the scene we were just talking about where I want to get out of here. Hell yes, why? It's the right thing to do. Yes. You think I'm hot, don't you? I you, think you're hot. I think you're <laughs> I think you're hot. <laughs> nice. Like that's what people are turning this into, and I, yeah. I think it's awesome. Oh, it's a great. I mean, it it is it is a great. It's a bromance for the ages between those two, and um, <clears throat> and I actually, I, I completely bought into his character. I bought into their friendship. I bought into Poe. I just, you know, he's another one that I'm like, I can't wait to spend more time with him. I was hoping that uh, the son of Porkins, Greg Grunberg, would get taken out a la Porkins. Now, you want to talk about someone who kind of took me out of a movie when I saw him. Was when Greg Grunberg was standing there, I'm like, oh, that's right, he's in this. <laughs> and uh, and he was fatter than Porkins, dude, and I'm saying that as a fat man. I think I might have lost Irish again. I lost Irish on the fat people talk. Where'd you go? Let me let me make sure. Yeah, I lost him again. We'll bring him back up. Because I'm I'm sure I'm gonna get taken to task now by Irish. Hello? Are you back with me? Uh, I'm back. It's the curse of Porkins. It is <laughs> The last thing I heard was the son of Porkins and then I uh, and then I got dropped. Yeah, Greg Grunberg, the son of Porkins. Um, I was just saying that I kept hoping that he'd get he'd get taken out a la Porkins. No, no. Greg oh. Grunberg is Temin from Aftermath. I don't care. Well, go back to Aftermath. Is that? No. Wait a minute. He's our boy. No. Yes. I thought his name was like Snap or something. Temin's Snap Wexley. Are you serious? Yeah, it's in the Star Wars database already. He's the kid from the planet? Yeah. That we that we hung out with in Aftermath. Yep. All right, I'm cool. Yeah, well, I mean, we weren't going to reveal that, but it's up on the database, so it's public knowledge now. Wow. I wonder who revealed that crap. It's on the official Star Wars site. Star so. Wars. It's cool. It makes a connection to the book to the movie. So. That's great. That is. That's a great connection. I wish yeah, they'd have gotten. I mean, he put on some weight since he was a kid. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's fatter than Porkins. <laughs> he's not fatter than Porkins. Dude, he's a chunky butt. I'm a, I look, and I'm saying that as a fat guy. So. They must have a nice buffet at the Resistance base. Oh. <laughs> they really do. They re- PZ, PZ4CO makes sure that's one of his jobs is to keep that thing up. <laughs> so speaking of uh, characters that, <laughs> you know, there were several characters that I have figures of sitting on my shelf right now that I'm like, Never saw him. Constable Zuvio. Yeah. One of those. And then the other one, I did see him in the background a couple of times in a you know, and then I did uh at a at a screen of some sort was PZ. Didn't um, one of the magazines make a big deal about having the first picture of Constable Zuvio? Yeah. I kept looking was, for him in the movie, never showed up. He's in the force vision for like three frames. Oh he is. Kylo kills him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So but never there's never the um <clears throat> There's never a moment with him to, where you get that he keeps the law and order there on Jakku or whatever. Anyhow, um, yeah, but I listen, Poe was great. You go back to him. But I think the real standout character outside of Ray, they're all standout characters. That, that was not a fair way to start that. Kylo Ren as a villain is, Eric, this is a villain 
that turns villainy on its head in a lot of ways. We've look, I spent ten years watching Smallville. And for somebody say oh, I love me. dude, I love that show. And 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 one of the things that made that show was the character of Lex Luthor, someone who uh was trying not to become what his father was, and when he began to become that, it was because he really thought he was doing the right thing. Uh, there's been this trend in 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 superhero genre in, in the genre things where you've got heroes and bad guys of any sort, where the villain always acts as though they're justified in what they're doing, you know, and 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 it's all from kind of quote unquote their point of view. What I love about Kylo is, yes, he thinks he's right in whatever it is he's doing, but his his concern is being seduced by the light. Right. Like, he is sold out to the dark side. And, and this concept of being seduced by the light was just something that it really has me intrigued, and it has captured my imagination, that he wants to be... I know that he feels like he's doing the right thing. Adam Driver said as much, but he basically wants to be evil. Mm-hmm. But he feels the good clawing at him, you know. And that's so reverse of everything we've ever seen in in a, in, in a villain. Even Anakin, you know, Anakin's thing but, was he wanted to be good, but he but the dark side seduced him. But is it that he wants to be evil, or is it that he wants to he wants to to be what his grandfather was, but better. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, it's definitely that. I, he, I you don't. Know, and Anakin didn't necessarily. Anakin didn't see himself as evil. He right. saw exactly. that as the path to peace. Right. And that's in what. And I. And I'm saying evil for from our standpoint. Right. I don't think he he desires. I don't think he thinks he's going evil at all. Uh, from what I can gather, listening to the dialogue and everything, it's more. It's not even about peace with him. It's about power. You know, which is, again, the power to do what? I don't know. You know, it's obviously not the power to save his wife, but he's just, he's just an intriguing villain to me. Right. And, and, and I love the idea that, that this, that the idea of the bad guy thinking he's doing the right thing, there was just, just that line where he's talking to Snoke about being seduced by the light. It, that captured my imagination with this character because that is, that is something new and different. I thought that one of the things that I wish they had not done with him is, is that second tantrum where the, where the stormtroopers turn. Yeah. Yeah. And granted it was a funny scene and Mm -hmm. the whole audience broke up and laughed and everything, but at that point, we're, you know, like an hour and a half into the movie, and now we're laughing at the villain. Mm-hmm. We're not laughing with him. We're laughing at him. And I just – and for what was coming up, what was to follow, I felt that that was – that was an inopportune thing to do at that time because it weakened in – my, in my mind, it weakened him a little bit as a villain. He wasn't this cold, calculating guy anymore. He was kind of like this 10-year-old throwing a tantrum. Well, but you know, from the first tantrum he throws, yeah, I kind of felt that way. And there were even people who kind of chuckled at that because of the reaction of the officer that was reporting to him. Right. Um, but we had gotten it that one time, mm-hmm. and then we'd left that. We had seen him 
you know, doing some other things and to go back to that again, especially like right before the scene with Han, right before the big lightsaber duel and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just felt like that was that was 30 seconds that you, you could have at least you could have still had him throw the tantrum, but cut the stormtroopers out. Yeah. I, I can see where you, then we're not laughing. Right. I can then see we're still a little afraid of him. I see where you're coming from there. And I and I tend to agree with you. I that's you know, I, I didn't bring this up earlier, but I guess in some ways, as much as I love the humor of this movie, in some ways that was one of my, my bit of criticisms is that there was almost too much humor throughout. Um the original trilogy was funny and it had really funny moments, but I don't like here as you say, that moment of him throwing that tantrum or destroying that room, you make a great point. The, the, the intensity, what should have been the intensity of that moment was undercut by the humor that, that followed right? By, for the joke, for the gag. And, <clears throat> and so I feel like that's, a, that's not the best use of, of comedy in a situation uh, like where you really want to continue to build the tension, but now we still got some little one-liners and laughs beyond that moment from our heroes. But I guess you want your villain to be a little, little more intense and a little more scary. I like how you can you can sit like we could do a show comparing and contrasting what we know so far about Kylo Ren and Darth Vader. You know, as right. as far as you know, where he lashes out in a big bad way, whereas Vader just sits there and chokes your butt out. You know. It's a it's a different it's a different kind of tantrum. One is one is apparently you know, like the Vader way of doing things is a little more ominous, but with Kylo Ren, you I get the feeling like these guys don't know what's going to set him off. Right. You know, when, at, at what moment is he going to swing that lightsaber at me? And that's why it worked the first time with the officer, mm-hmm. because you saw the fear in the officer's eyes. But the second time with the stormtroopers. That was, oh, dude, no, let's like just turn around and go the other way. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I, um, I, I, I do like that, con- that contrast, though. I, I, agree with, I, I tend to agree with you a little bit about the humor side of that moment, but I like the contrast continuing with him and Vader. You know, he wants mm-hmm. to be Vader, and he wants to do everything better than Vader. He, he yeah. won't, you know... Um, and obviously, he has to know that Vader turned. Does he know? Do you think he knows? I don't know if we can even talk this way. I get the idea that he knows Vader eventually turned back to the light because of Luke, and he wants to avoid that. That that's his big thing is he wants to avoid being turned back to the light. So when he has that conversation with Han Solo on the uh, catwalk, um or the bridge or whatever you want to call it, you know, where he's like, I'm, I feel like I'm being torn apart. I know what I've got to do, but I'm afraid to do it. I love that. That whole bridge scene. Yeah. Was fantastic. And I, I kept going back and rereading that in, in the manuscript. Mm-hmm. Like a, anytime I had to go in to, to check something or whatever, I would kind of just, the force would just guide me to that. <laughs> those couple pages. Uh, that scene was just fantastic. I love the way both actors played it. I love that, you know, at, you know, at, at one point it's like, you, you know, you're kind of, is he gonna, is he gonna turn? Is Han gonna do this? Right. Save right. his son? Right. Yeah. You know, it just so well played. 
Yeah, it's well, and that's I, the first time I saw it, I felt like the moment went on a little too long. And then in the other viewings, I didn't think that at all. I thought that everything went just like it needed to go. Right. I like the I like the shot of it's on his face as the sun is going out, mm-hmm. and so the darkness falls, and it's almost like that's the moment that prompts him to to grip that lightsaber more tightly as Han's trying to take it from him. But I also like that Han fell into light. Yes. A- yeah. Instead of falling into dark. Right. You know, right. he was engulfed by the light in the end. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and the idea, you know, that they were talking about two completely different things, Han and, and Kylo. Right. You know, because Kylo's like, will you help me? And I was like, yeah, I'll do anything. Han's talking about, yeah, I'll help you get out of yeah, here. Yeah, I'll help you get out of here. And Kylo's like, no, I need to, to kill you to, right. like, you know, push me further to the dark. Mm. Do you... There's an interesting question from Justin in the chat, you know, where he says that he wants to kill Han and he wants to kill Luke, but what about his mother? You know, what about what about Leia? Because she is someone who uh, Carrie Fisher I thought was fantastic back as Leia in 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 the time yeah. we got to spend with her, you know, from her just kind of sitting there kind of smiling at Han and um everything that went on there. Well, and speaking of where humor works, that first scene with the two of them and 3PO inserts himself in there and be like, oh, you may not recognize me because of my red arm. Yes. I mean, the theater was just, they lost it. Classic C-3PO, sir. Yep. Classic C-3PO. And um, I absolutely... Uh... <laughs> but there was like, Hold on, there's... I'm sorry. I just, I just clicked over here to Twitter and saw the meme. <laughs> with with Kylo and and this is basically or with Finn and Poe and basically Finn says bro and, and Poe says what bro tell the whole world that we're bros and so he whispers Poe whispers we're bros and Finn says why'd you whisper bro and Poe says because you're my whole world bro <laughs> <laughs> so good because you're my whole world bro that's great um yeah, the, the, the it's just a matter of time before somebody mashes a trailer of of the Force Awakens and Brokeback Mountain into like Forceback Mountain. Oh yeah, like those oh. two. They um, but yeah, with three PO when he pops in, it's it's funny, and then Chewie walks over and hugs her. I love that, oh. and, and I, I love that moment because that just feels natural. Yes, that's what yeah. they would do. That's like right. even though there's this tension between Leia and Han, of course Chewie's going to come up and hug her, and of yeah. course she's going to smile and hug him back. And they don't even need to say anything. You can just feel the love between them. And then he just goes and sits down on the little weird troop transport ship that flies sideways. Um, mm-hmm. But like I just I love that little moment there, yeah. and I wanted that moment at the end when they come back to the base. Yes. I wanted a Leia Chewie moment at right. the end and I didn't get it. Yeah, was, it was it was weird to me that he went with Finn. Yeah. You know, that was strange to me. Um but I'll tell you this, in the 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 third time I watched the movie when uh when Leia steps up and Ray goes and hugs her and they're just hugging, I that choked me up in a big way. Um I I finally felt it you know, uh, more than I had in, in the previous viewings. Right. Um, and I don't know if it was just cause I was tired from driving 14 hours a night before or what, but 
you know, the the emotions definitely came to the surface with that. And I, you know, the connection between those two, because Ray had developed a connection with Han and, yep. and, you know, and, and then that transfers over to, to Leia who had that connection, but man, her and Han's, her and Han's talk before he leaves where she's like, no matter how angry you made me, I always hated to see you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's and I love the line too where Han's questioning how he can save Ben. And and she's like, Luke's a Jedi, but you're his father. Mm-hmm. And that just like really hit me too. Yeah. Well, and it's a throwback to you know, it wasn't a Jedi that saved Darth Vader. It, it was, was his son. It was his son, it. yeah. You know, it 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 is really all about uh the family with these movies and so so when you do get to that moment after everything that's going on and i mean and let's not forget I, look the the chewy's characterization throughout the whole movie was perfect mm-hmm. you know from when they first meet him on the millennium falcon and he's like the 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 smuggler the he's like you're our, uh, yeah, he's, no he's a war like, hero <laughs> he's like he's a war hero and he's like is that true he looks true is that true and chewy just kind of shrugs you know like <laughs> I love it. I just he, oh, and the part where he's getting bandaged up by the doctor, and she's talking to him like he's five years old, and he's such a brave little boy. Right? Yes. Yeah. And you just know though that Chewie's milking it. You know yeah. Chewie's milking yeah. that moment. Yep. But uh, but when he goes nuts, when Han gets killed, I mean, it was just like I love too that they set up how powerful the bowcaster was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, in yes. a couple scenes with Han asking to use it. Yes. You know, so that when Chewie does fire that shot, because that's important there that that the audience realizes how damaged Kylo was. Mm-hmm. You know, he can't be full strength going up against Finn and then Ray, or it's just not going to be believable. Right. Why did he keep hitting himself in that fight, Erich? Help me understand that. Psyched himself up. Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah he- I think it was two things. I think because you hear the thud. When he hits himself, so it's one to show, to demonstrate to the audience that he's wearing some sort of armor. Mm-hmm. I think like is a subconscious thing, right? But as a character, it's you know he's psyching himself up. He's getting pissed because he's got to draw on the dark side to really hone his power. Okay, that makes so, sense. So you know he's I, look. I have a friend who is is a huge is a huge football fan, huge Eagles fan, and I have seen him. Like sitting watching the games, and when he just gets like so amped and psyched up, he just starts pounding his fists on his legs. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's just something he does when he like gets in that like that kind of moment. Right. And to me, that's what Kylo was doing. That was that kind of moment. You know, it, they've destroyed Star Killer Base. He's just killed his father. You know, he's being challenged by this guy who. Who is holding his grandfather's lightsaber? Mm-hmm. He's furious. Like everything is going wrong, and he needs to seize the moment again. Yeah, yeah. And like it's and plus it's that little bit of the tantrum in him too. You know, so I, I that's that's how I read that. Yeah, I, I I definitely read it as just you know on the very surface, just showing further showing his instability. Um, I also think he was really hurt too, and in a lot of pain. You see the blood on the floor. Yeah, you know he's in a lot of pain, so he's got to control that too. He's got to muster his strength, 
to take down this, this to him, this clown with his grandfather's lightsaber. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, that's yeah. Just his emotions out of emotions out of control. They did one thing that we haven't really seen since the original trilogy, because when we're in the prequels, we're dealing with Jedi who are fully trained and you know capable with what they're doing with with the lightsabers and whatever. But what they did in this movie is they took it back to some of George Lucas's original ideas about the lightsabers, like as far as holding it with two hands. Mm-hmm. You saw just the energy transfer like they it seemed like you know every time they hit and like finn would fly back with it you know or or you know fall back because of it like there was weight behind that energy with right. those with those things and and it's something that we've not seen since since the original trilogy which is why it was a big deal in empire especially that vader was for a moment there just one hand in it with luke mm-hmm. in in cloud city um and and so I really dug that. I dug the visual, the way the fights were were choreographed and everything. Um, you, you know, not so much because it's a throwback, but because it's a reminder that you know these are powerful weapons that they're using. Yeah. Um, I, that I, scene where where he's got Finn pinned against the tree and is driving the cross guard into his shoulder. Yes. Was so cool. Yes. Yeah. And then likewise the scene at the end where Ray has got uh Kylo kind of pinned and she's driving the lightsaber down into the ground. Mm-hmm. Oh. Dude, that moment and and unfortunately, thanks to Harrison Ford, I saw his tweet when it happened. Um he had tweeted that his favorite lightsaber fight was Ray and Kylo. Oh. And um and unfortunately, so I knew the minute that lightsaber hit the snow. That, well, yeah, that it was going to wind up in her. That it was hands. going to wind up in her hands, and they were going to have I think even if you didn't know, you would have known. But it was still such a cool moment, mm-hmm. you know, when he's reaching for it, and it's not coming, and it just flies into her hand. Yeah, and and they begin to go to it, and you know, as she's standing there on the precipice, you know, and he's like, "I can train you, I can teach you," and she just closes her eyes. She's like the force. Yeah, not to feel, not to feel just the force, but Maz even told her the light. Yeah, you know, let the light flow through you, and so, and, and that's what she draws upon, and it's a reminder of what Yoda said to Luke in Empire. You know, when he says, "Is the dark side stronger?" and he says, "No, it's quicker, more aggressive." You know, but it's not stronger than the light. The dark is never stronger than the light. And so mm-hmm. even this untrained, raw-powered, you know, girl uh, can go up against this guy who who is of the bloodline of Vader. Yeah. You know, and she can fight him at least to a standstill. She injured, you know, yeah, he was injured and he was down. You're right. You know, it makes it more believable. But he's even more injured now. Like, she ganked up his face. Did you just say she ganked up his face? Yeah. <laughs> This is true. This is true. Um, More like his grandfather now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And do you notice Snoke has some kind of divot in his head? Yeah. Like, he's got some battle things. But it also makes me wonder if he's some kind of Vader worshiper. Like, I have to replicate the big scar in his head, the big gash in his head. So, anyhow. Yeah, that, that, that final battle was just awesome to me. Yeah, to and, me too. And uh and I loved it and I just love the visuals. I love the the forest and at night and then the snow and I love 
the sound effects there. You can hear the snow falling. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like this kind of th- this noise in the background. Like, you know, if you've ever been out in a snowstorm or whatever, you kind of hear it. Yeah. And you could hear it during that scene. Yeah. And at first it's like, what is that? And it's like, oh, it's the snow falling. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, just the, the blue and the red glows. And it was just, oh, it was gorgeous to look at. And the- slicing through the trees and the trees falling this way or that and stuff. Like they had, you know, the, JJ had full command of that environment. Mm-hmm. The, the, the sound design on Kylo's lightsaber is very cool as well. Yeah. You know, it goes, it sounds like, yes, it sounds like raw power. Um, and, and I just really, I dug that versus that classic Luke's lightsaber sound or Anakin's lightsaber sound. You know, it, it, it just played off one of the, it became, it's one of those moments that that really could have become the music for that scene. Yeah. You know, uh, because the sound design was that good. Meanwhile, uh, Poe and the gang are trying to blow up the planet uh, while that's going on. And um, uh, I would have loved to see more. I, yeah. You know, I, and I know why we didn't get to see more. Why didn't we get to see more, Steve? Well, because we were focused in on what was going on with the lightsaber battle true you know that's what i kind of felt like it's like well they want to draw more attention over here um and i also feel like there would have been too many comparisons to the old trench run made yeah you know i also think that there wasn't necessarily a lot more to show right right you know i i i I got the sense that the resistance was not a very large group yeah well let's can we talk about the politics of the moment sure um I, I get the idea, like, I get the sense that the resistance is kind of like an appointed militia group by the New Republic to go take out the First Order. Like, I feel like the New Republic's almost sitting in denial of how big or how powerful the First Order has grown, you know? And and so they're like, okay, well, you take your resistance and you go do this. Like, almost non-sanctioned, like a non, almost like a mm-hmm. non-sanctioned army, if you will. Um and and it's just interesting to me that, like, um, I don't know. Like, that's the thing. It's like I'm really kind of confused about. And I guess we'll find out more as you know the the stories begin to fill in the gaps over the over the course of the next. Yeah, year that's so. something I would imagine. You know, either the books or the comics or something yeah. will probably, you know, fill in some of that stuff. But it's just inter- It's just interesting to me that you know. And again, I'm sorry. Maybe it's because I love the prequels that I'd like to know about the politics of the galaxy at this time. <laughs> I was perfectly fine without any politics of the galaxy. Well, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't need a senate. Yeah. I don't need a senate scene or anything. Yeah, but like but, in, in a New Hope, where we had the the scene in the you know with all the moths, right? Where Arkin's right. explaining that the senate has been dissolved and right. stuff. Right. You know, we we never got anything like that to kind of because I don't understand because my lack of understanding comes with. Where does the resistance fit in versus the Republic, you know, and is the Republic, what is, you know, I guess I don't need to know what the Republic's doing against the First Order, but obviously they're at odds or they wouldn't want to blow them up. I will say this, uh, the novel fills in some of these blanks. Okay. The Force Awakens novelization. Yes. Okay. All yeah. Right. There, there's a little bit more okay. regarding the resistance and its relationship to the Republic. Good. And also... 
that one scene when Hosnian Prime gets destroyed where you zoom in on the balcony mm-hmm. and the people on the balcony, you see that one woman. Mm-hmm. Like, that's explained in the novel, too, as to who she is. She's quite an important person. Oh, okay. Well, I also... They blew up basically the seat of the Republic. And then... Uh, uh, so many questions, and I know they're going to have to be answered in the future. You know, this is one of those things that, again, where this leaves a lot of good questions. How big can the First Order be? Their planet just got blown up. You know, Snoke is obviously off star. Oh, but it was, it, it was, the way I saw it, it was a, a sizable base on a planet that was basically a weapons platform. Right. Yeah. So it, it's very it's very possible that they have got forces throughout the rest of the galaxy kind of squirreled away. Sure. Do you think that was... Clearly Snoke was somewhere else. Yes, of course. And that's what I'm saying is obviously he's got people around him. But I'm just wondering, do you think that in within that base, within Starkiller base, do you think that maybe possibly perchance that there were... That we saw the entire forces of Starkiller base at the one meeting, you know, where Hux is doing his... His best Hitler? I thought we saw... Yes, I think we saw the forces at Starkiller Base. Right, so... But that wasn't necessarily the entire First Order. Right, and so to me, that amount of people... it Even though it's it's practically a whole planet repurposed, it seems like it's almost staffed by less people than the Death Star would have been staffed by. Yeah. It had a much smaller feel in, in their control areas than even right. the Death Stars did. Which is interesting to me that maybe they they got it to run with a fewer you know with less people so because who's going to attack a planet right it's all it's all just speculation on my part but I it's just these are the things it's definitely going to be interesting to see where they go with that and eight where they go with the politics right where they go with the resistance where they go with the first order because you know basically you you the the first order has destroyed. The New Republic, at least politically, they have. So does that throw the galaxy into chaos now because there's no government uh, linking them all together? But then in turn, the resistance has destroyed Starkiller base and most likely a, a sizable chunk of their forces. So where does that leave them? How big a reserve do they have if they have a reserve? You know, how, what role exactly does Snoke play in the First Order? And how does Kylo and his, I guess they're the Knights of the Wren? The Knights of Wren, yeah. Yeah, you know, where do they fall into this? And, you know, it, they're definitely, much like Vader was not technically an Imperial, you get the sense that Kylo is not technically First Order. You know, because he's at odds with Hux a lot, and they're both kind of doing their own thing at times. Um, so it's like he has a relationship with the First Order, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he is First Order. It's going to be very interesting to find out how this all fits together. Yeah. And if we have to wait until Episode 8 for that, or if we're going to get some of that in the comics or books or video games or whatever. So... Um, <clears throat> did Hello? I also have a question? I also am kind of confused about the technology of Starkiller Base 
the weapon was used once to destroy the Republic. Right. At the at the, at the Hunan system. Or the, uh, uh, the Hosnian. Hosnian system. And and then they're charging it again to blow up the rebels in the Irelian system or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And and they're sucking down the power of the sun. And the whole idea is when the sun goes out, the weapon is fully charged. Does the sun light down the system? Does the sun what? Does it light back up? Because like, or were there multiple suns or, or the, the sense, the sense I got was that they didn't completely drain the sun. You know, they, 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 they drain it until the light goes out, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the sun is because wouldn't the sun like supernova, it wouldn't that destroy a star killer base. Yeah, but I mean, I, so I think they like they drain it to let's let, I'm just drawing a number out of the air. Let's say they drain it to like 20 percent of its capacity. And at that point, like its light goes out, but the sun's not necessarily dead. They fire their weapon, then they have to wait for the sun to recharge before mm-hmm. they can then recharge their weapon to fire it. again. Yeah. that was kind of the sense i got to okay. it but they never really explained it. well and they don't have to i mean you know we don't want to pick it apart too much yeah. but it's just again it's one of those things that i start uh <clears throat> start thinking about and i'm like well this is this is an interesting thought because the it had come back on the sun <laughs> the yeah. sun had come back on um but yeah so i you know coming away from this thing dude i i, I love the story like i said i love the new characters seeing han solo again you know, and and this was his movie, basically. Yeah. You know, it was good. He had some great lines and, and some great one-liners, but he also got to do a great turn as as a Han Solo that we never saw in the movies. Um, you know, particularly when when he gets to the moment with Kylo and and his moment with Leia. You know, he's not. You know, he he is a it is a continuation of the character we last saw on Endor, you know. But it's a character who they lost their son, and this caused a strain on them. And so he did, and he says, "I did the only thing I was ever good at." You know, he goes back to smuggling. Yeah, and apparently he's not really good at that. <laughs> so, but he was. He, I mean, he caught the Raptors. Which, if, if those other idiots had left them alone and delivered them, they would have gotten their money back. Which, why is no one complaining about Wrath Tars? Because I thought they were kind of fun. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It, was that sequence a Star Wars sequence? No. Right. But, you know, I think they needed a little action set piece there. You needed to kind of explain a little bit what Han had been doing all this mm-hmm. time. Um, I felt, and, and it built a little bit more chemistry with Finn and Ray. Um, yeah, I, look, I think the so sequence. I, I think it worked. I and think, you know what? The kids loved it. Yeah, I think the sequence was a Star Wars sequence. I really do. But I do also feel like that. Uh, use Gundarks. Well, they didn't use any of the other aliens that we wanted them to use. That's so. true. That's true. Well, and again, that comes down to. Um, you know some of my some of my minor criticisms and quibbles. With, and you, you got know. to do the Raiders of the Lost Ark homage. Which now, which is what? Well, Han running down the corridor with the thing rolling behind him. Oh, okay. I didn't think about that. That's funny. I didn't think about that at all. Credit, credit to <laughs> Trisha Bar for pointing that out. Nice, nice. Well played, well played. Um, 
one other sequence I just want to talk about, and I have nothing. It's very Chris Farley show. What I'm about to say, you know, that was awesome. Bees. I'm sorry. What? Bees. Bees. Yeah. No, not <laughs> bees. Get them off. No. The when they first when they're running from the Tie Fighters, you know, how about that one? That's garbage. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing blows up. We'll take the garbage, and you can pan yeah. over, and it's the Falcon. And I was just, I went nuts. I was like, that's a, that's a great moment. And then when she oh, starts. No, Ethan lost it. He's like, why is the Millennium Falcon just sitting there? <laughs> well, you find out, you know. I know, but to, no, he just didn't buy it. He right. was so angry that the Falcon was just sitting there. Oh, I love that it had been stolen and stolen again. And Han's yeah. like, you tell him that Han Solo stole the Millennium well, Falcon. Well, and that they'd been looking for it all this time, too. Right. Yes. Um. But that but whole. I also love that Ray. As soon as he said it, she was like, "This is the Millennium Falcon." Like her eyes lit up. She knew what it was. That's the thing. She has a knowledge of the rebellion and and that history. Um, that that's one going to be one of the things that's interesting to find out is where does all that come from? Where does? Well, you got the. I got the sense that it was like knowledge that was like passed down through stories. Right. But, because she says she's like, oh, it's it, it it all isn't just myths. There's something like that, right? You know that when they're sitting around on Jakku mm-hmm. on the the warm night every year, every day of the year, right, right. You know, and they're telling their stories that you know their stories told, and we know that Jakku was a major battle point. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're they're you know the people who live there have to have stories of the empire and the rebellion and stuff. Yeah, but the whole sequence of that chase with the Falcon and the TIE Fighters mm-hmm. was wonderful. Yeah. I loved it. And her flying the thing like she was and getting the hang of it and him getting the hang of the gunners to it. And then when it gets blown out, the only thing I was thinking was just climb up the ladder. There's another one up top, you know. But maybe there isn't another one up top. It was, I, you can see it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I wasn't looking for it. So. Uh, but when, but that, but listen. It's okay because the move she does where she comes blowing out the side of that Star Destroyer and basically just goes up and flips upside down and goes into free fall mm-hmm. so that the TIE Fighter's directly above them and he can just take his shot. Oh, such a great move and yeah. such a great moment. That whole sequence, I'm telling you, dude, I absolutely loved. Well, I love the bit, too, where she's like, it's a little difficult when you're the only one in the cockpit. You know, it it showed the purpose of having a co-pilot that there are controls on the other side of the board that, excuse me, you need two people to fly this thing properly. Yeah. The pilot is handling the actual piloting and the co-pilot's going to be taking care of angling the deflector shields yeah. and doing all the other stuff, uh, auxiliary power and all these other things. Yeah, it was, that was cool. And she's reaching, <laughs> I, I'm trying. It's hard when you're the only one. But such a great sequence. I loved it. and uh, I like the part, too, where they were getting sucked into Han's big freighter. And Finn like started crawling up, climbing up on the board. And he's got like his head, his hand on her forehead. Yes, yes. He's trying to look up out of the canopy window and see what was going on. I, I, just, I, I love that because that's something we hadn't seen in the cockpit before either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's that console that's in the middle in between those 
yeah. seats that wasn't there. And I think that's because, and Han even looks down at it, and that's when he says, why is there a compressor on the whatever? And, and um, Right. Uh, but yeah, that whole moment, and um, and he's like, oh, the First Order's got us, the First Order's got us. They go to hide. The whole, dude, the whole thing where the where the gas starts to leak and she's patching it up, and she and 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 this is where it gets into the cool BB-8 stuff where he's like, "Look, I'm got to shoot straight with you. I'm not yep. resisting, you know." And he gives BB-8 the thumbs up. My favorite moment of the movie was the BB-8 thumbs up, little lighter, the little torch yeah. lighter. Yes. Oh. But this goes back to your comment earlier about the humor. I just thought that the humor was so was so natural in this one. You know, whereas in the prequel movies, at times it felt a little forced, like, you know, the Jar Jar stepping in poodoo yes. and stuff like that, or yeah. the, the EOB farting and right. stuff. It, this, it's just like all the scenes where I really laughed, it just felt natural. And that yep. BB-8 lighter moment was one of them. A lot of the dialogue with Han, the, the one-liners and Chewie's reactions and stuff, it just... it. To me, the humor came out of the characters naturally. Right. I, I agree with that. I, I completely agree with that. I, I just feel like there were moments, like like with the Stormtrooper thing and, and then yeah. a few other things where it was just a little too much, you know? Right. Um, but, dude, BB-8 is... he is a right, superstar. He has rightfully won the hearts and minds of a generation. I could hear my seven-year-old nephew reacting to all the BB-8 scenes throughout the movie when she's pointing to him what she needs she's like right there where i'm pointing right there and bb8 finally just looks down right at it you know uh but when finn tells him that poe died you know your master's dead yeah it's just like like i could hear my nephew just like oh and when then i could hear him laughing and cheering like when bb8 was doing the fun stuff and BB-8 and R2 at the end, like, you know, he's banging into them and then they're chirping at each other and everything. Uh, He was amazing. I, um, I, I'm telling you, I love BB-8. I love it when he runs, like his head is just down and he's just scooting as fast as he can. Oh, so great. I just love BB-8. I Um, love those like wires that he shot out of himself to suspend himself in the Falcon. Yes. Yeah, and then he used that to get up out of the uh, out out of the out of the pit out yeah. of the pit that they were in. Yeah, but even cl- crawling down the stairs too. Mm-hmm. And Maz's uh, castle, I thought, was pretty cool. I'm like, oh, he's just going to sit up top there. Nope, there he comes, one step at a time, yep. rolling down funk, the stairs. Funk, funk, funk. Oh. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk real quickly about that because I know we got to wrap up. We've been doing this for a little bit now. Um, I want to talk about Ray's vision. Um. I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I'm still kind of clueless on everything that happened in it. Well, I it starts so out. Walk me through it. Okay. Well, when she touches the lightsaber, right? Um, immediately, there's all the different flashes of everything. She, she, be, she, the world around her morphs into basically the hallway from Bespin. Um, it is what it looks like to me, where Luke and Vader end their fight, start the last part of their battle. And then as it cuts to Luke touching R2's dome, that shot we've seen in in all the trailers, Mm -hmm. you hear Luke from Empire yelling, no, no, you know, when Vader tells him that he's his father. Underneath that, you can hear Yoda saying it surrounds us and binds us. And and that, you know, talking about the Force. Then you hear 
the voice of Alec Guinness saying, Ray. And then, right. it, and then it fades out with the voice as she's, and through all this, she's stumbling around and you see Kylo Ren uh, kill yeah, Constable yeah. Zuvio and you see them, that's where you see the shot of him and the Knights of Ren surrounded by bodies all over the place. Um, and as she, as everything starts to fall apart and she's falling out of that room, you hear Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan say, you're taking your first steps. Yeah. And it's just... I, I, I'm trying, you know, it's a scene where it's like, because all the Force visions we've ever seen, whether it's on Dagobah or whether it's in Anakin's head with Padme, have always been in some way specific connections to the Force user mm-hmm. with what's going on. It's the Force trying to, uh, you know, uh, open someone's eyes. And in this case, that's the moment that I feel like the Force awakens. That's the awakening. Yes. And it was so cool. Just from a technical standpoint, there was an article, I think it was on Entertainment Weekly, where they were talking to J.J. Abrams about the voices in that thing. They got Frank Oz to do the Yoda thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, They got... uh, James Arnold Taylor had actually originally done the Ewan dialogue, doubling for him, but they got Ewan McGregor to actually come in and record the line. And so they used And then they rebuilt... Alec Guinness they saying Ray out of out of the word afraid. Yeah. You know, where he used the word afraid and they took that just the Ray part of that and you're right, they rebuilt it and that is amazing. I mean, that's old school movie making magic right there to me. It is is that little moment, but it was just and and it it was a magical moment. And so I feel like where you said something to the effect of her parents having been trained by Luke way a while ago, I feel like you're on to something more than her being a Skywalker because I really think that's it. I really think that as a small, as a baby, as a small child, she was part of this group that Luke was training, whether she was being trained already or not. I don't know, but I think that she had some connection to somebody that was part of that group. And she is, possibly the only surviving member that was hidden away. And right. maybe it's because Luke sensed something very powerful in her the same way that Qui-Gon sensed it in Anakin all those years before that, you know, kind of Luke's last act was hide her away. Don't tell me where she is. Don't tell anybody where she is. Kind yeah. of thing. Well, and, and, and it could be that in some way Kylo and the Knights of Ren we're doing the work of Vader and trying to hunt down and kill all the Jedi. Right. And so when that began to happen, and I'm also, I, you know, here's the thing, though. Well, I was, there's something, too, about, about Snoke, Snoke stepping in during Luke's training of Ben and corrupting him. Right. And seducing him to the dark side. So... Well, well, it makes me wonder. Han Snoke was part of Luke's consortium. That's too. what I was. That's what I was about to say. Han said that you know Luke was training everyone until one of the Jedi went wrong and started killing all of them. And we well, think, but I think that that's. I think that that's Ben. I I think that's the natural conclusion to make. But I, I also think it, Snoke. it wouldn't be a stretch if, to me for it to be Snoke, right? And maybe that's why Snoke is so disfigured because maybe Luke just like freaking goes, 
you know, crap went, house on him went and just, after him, like, yeah. taught him a thing or two about loss. Right. Yeah, I taught him a thing or two. <laughs> That's a great... <laughs> Can I have that? Yeah. I'm going to teach you a thing or two about loss. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, but I think I don't think that it's much of a, a stretch to think it may have been Snoke. And in doing all that, he seduced Ben to the dark side. Yeah. And... um you know, the, the question really comes then about who are these Knights of Ren? What is that all about? You know, um, is obviously, uh, is, let me stop getting excited and just ask the question. Is Snoke a full on Sith? Because we know, according to J.J. Abrams and company, that Kylo Ren is not. No, I don't know that he is either because they just call him Snoke. Hmm. Yeah, right. He's not a Darth. You know, and maybe you know, maybe part of this this new dark side thinking is that excuse me, maybe they're abandoning the rule of two. Maybe, you know, they've seen that in the end it failed. We're more powerful as a many. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe that's where the the Knights of Ren are, co- because it certainly looked like there was like, you know, a baker's dozen of them or so there. Right. Um, to me, this is just like one of so many things that I'm. I, look, when we got the prequel movies, we were all excited because we're getting new Star Wars movies. Right. But the reality was, before we even saw the first, before we even saw the opening crawl of Episode One. We knew how episode three was going to end. Right, exactly, exactly. We knew it was going to end with Anakin becoming Darth Vader. Yes. We have no idea where this is going. And that is so just immensely exciting to me. You know, this is like when we saw A New Hope, we didn't know there was going to be an Empire. You know, then we got Empire Strikes Back, and it's like, you know, it ends with Han being in Carbonite and all this stuff and Luke losing his hand and you didn't know where where Jedi was going. And that's how I feel now. We have no idea where this is going. And even with the with the standalone films, you know, like I think we're gonna see Maz Kanata again in the Han Solo standalone movie. Oh, I hope so. I think that's where we I don't think we see her in episode eight. I think we next see her in the Han Solo movie. I wouldn't mind seeing her in episode eight. Neither would I, but I, I I definitely want to see her in the Han Solo movie because there's clearly a long history between the two of them, and right. what is this all about? And by the way, Hasbro, I want my Maz Kanata action figure. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and get all. I want a Maz Kanata mask so I can you know, pull the levers <laughs> on the things and make my eyes bigger and smaller and see through you and stuff like that. All kinds of fun possibilities there. She's literally a thousand years old. Yeah. But she has the energy of, like, a 20-year-old. Right. You know, if you think of Yoda being, like, what was he, 700-and-something years old? But he felt like an old man. Yeah, he was was closer to 900. She doesn't feel, sorry, she doesn't feel like an old woman. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's, climbing around on tables. Yeah, yeah. You know, tending bar and running her place and... When she yells, the whole place shuts up and shows respect. Yeah, she's got she's very she's got a Marion from Indiana Jones feel to her in yes. that moment. But, yes, but yes, in, that is perfect. Yeah, but in the moment when she's talking to Ray, she's got a very grandmotherly feel yes. to her. 
you know, she she plays all of that super well. And it's weird to me that this really good, in tune, wise individual is surrounded by scum and villainy, you know, possibly, you know, whatever, whatever's in that. I think so. I mean, they're, they're, whether they're good or bad, you know, it's, they're, they're not the most well-respected citizens, Mm -hmm. you know, but again, what's the history with her castle? Like all the flags outside it and stuff. Right. Right. I just so fascinated by this character. Yeah, me too. I think, I think she's a definite takeaway from this movie as as to who we want to see more of and who yeah. we, and who we want to spend more time with. Um, I, look. And I know part of it was when like Lupita was cast and we found out that she was doing a mocap character and stuff. It's like, well, why would you put this like an Oscar winning actress who is gorgeous? Like, why would you have her do a mocap character? And that is why you have her do a mocap character because she just was amazing. Yeah, I agree. I think it was. I think. I think that her voice work for that character was great, and you know, knowing that it was mocap and and her actually doing a lot of the performance, you yeah. know, facially and everything, fantastic and great work mm-hmm. with that character. Um, look, at the end of the day, I'm on board for for Rogue One. I'm on board for Episode Eight. I'm on board for Han Solo standalone. I'm on board for Episode Nine. I'm on board for Disney and Star Wars. Yeah, what I hope happens. With Ryan Johnson in in episode nine, and I forget who's doing. I'm sorry, no, Ryan Ryan's Johnson with episode eight, and I forget who's uh, doing nine. Jurassic World, uh, Colin, Colin Trevorrow. Yeah. I really hope that the one thing they can take away from what Abrams did is let's make sure that we nail the visual language of Star Wars, the way the camera shoots that that especially that last shot going into the credits. But. Um, but I also think that they're going to bring some of their own visual language to and it. And that's okay. I mean, you know, Kirsten... I mean, the thing we have to keep in mind is that the, the six movies before this one, George all had his hand on them. Right. You know, even Kirsch, yes, Kirshner and Mark Quinn directed five and six, but George really directed a large chunk of six. Right. And, you know, had a heavy hand in what was going on on five. So, like, they, that was... That was his vision on all of these. This we're now getting each of these films, and I think that they are intentionally bringing in the, the talent of director that they are. Mm-hmm. So these directors are going to come in and give their own their own sense of style to each film. Right, and and I'm okay with that. But again, I think there are a few things, especially when you're putting this in the the enumerated films of this yeah. one overarching story. That there are some things that, you know, not to take from George, and I know that you know that's that's not what we should be doing now, but that should lyrically fit with the rest of the uh, the and song. I, I understand that, and you know, like we talked about earlier, we completely agree that that helicopter shot at the end just did not. It, I, it just didn't fit. You know, I think I'd be a lot happier if they'd have been able to just do a static shot at the end and iris out. I think I would have been much. I think that that would have. It just uh, maybe it's just the way it ended off. I don't know. I'm interested to see the first order strikes back and see what happens there. (laughs) Do you think? (laughs) I mean, let this. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to start over speculating for episode eight. But I. I, But the thing, the questions I've asked are the questions I have, and the things I'll be discussing over the next year and a half. Were you surprised that we got nothing for Rogue One? 
at the uh, as far as a trailer or trailer at the beginning or I didn't think trailer at the end. Yeah, I didn't think there'd be anything after the credits. I honestly didn't think that, but I really did expect some type of teaser beforehand. Right. Um, you know, so I don't yeah, that was I I I don't know. Look, I all I'll say is this. I've seen the Disney marketing machine at work for Star Wars. You know so, what I bet you they do? Remember when uh, Fellowship of the Ring came out? Mm-hmm. And it played in the theater for about two, two and a half months. And then they tacked the trailer for Two Towers onto yes, it. Yes, yes. And it got people, I got me to go back in and see it again. Yes. Yeah. I would not be surprised come like middle of February, late February, they tack the trailer for Rogue One on, and that's the only place that you can see it is to go in and see The Force Awakens again. Wow. In in the day of the you think they would so you think they would do that for like a week or two? That's the only place. I think they would do one? it for a couple weeks and then And then release it online? Yeah. I Why can, not? I could see that. Get everybody how many of us went to the well a lot of us went to the theater on the day that the first teaser trailer was announced. But I mean, there's a long history of star Wars fans going to see like meet Joe black and stuff like that, just to see a star Wars trailer. Right. Agreed. You're right. That's a good, you make, I, that would be awesome. Look, especially if you're like 20 to $50 million away from breaking the all time record or something like that. Throw it out there. Yeah. Listen, all I know is I've still got at least seven more times to go to the theater and see this thing. I'm going to, I would definitely see it again. Um, I may see it again. I I think I'll definitely see it again with the family over Mm -hmm. the holiday break. Um, Aaron Goins from Star Wars Bookworms and uh, Mike Pilot from Full of Sith. We've been talking about the three of us possibly getting together with the families and seeing it together out in Pennsylvania. So, um, yeah, I think I've got another couple viewings at least than me. Yeah, I I, I want to spend more time with this thing because at the end of the day, I like I say, love the characters, love the story, and love it's just fun. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a fun movie. And that's what Star Wars is supposed to right. be. It's just supposed to be fun. Right. I agree. I got a couple of things to say before we go. Number one, Justin Seeley. I got to give him a huge shout out. Uh, he got in touch with me and he, and he tweeted a picture of a vintage, uh, style card he made for a Ray action figure and it looked great. And, um, and he sent me one and, um, I said, well, I don't, again. people just send any free stuff. Well, here's the thing. I told him, I don't know, uh, how to attach a bubble and stuff, um, but I, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to I'm going to do that. If you'll tell me how to do that, I'm going to put a figure in there and hang it up. So he says, "I'll send you instructions how to do that." And all. so I get the I get the card from him, the Ray card, vintage Star Wars: The Force Awakens Ray card, and um, he went ahead and attached the bubble with little Ray figure in there, and it looks fantastic. And on the back, it's got the old school Kenner look with all, like all the figures that are out right now. Nice. And it's just great. So, Justin Seeley, thank you so much, sir. I really appreciate it. You're too kind to do that for me. And uh, it's hanging right now with the rest of my vintage cards uh, uh, from the new vintage collection on my wall. 
and it looks great right up there with them. So thank you so much for that, sir. I, I greatly appreciate it. You can uh, get in touch with Erish by going to Twitter and just hitting up at Darth underscore Duff. At Darth underscore Duff there on the Twitter. You can email us at geekoutonline at gmail.com. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And, yeah, uh, and, email us. Let us know what you think. Yeah, because I, I'll be honest with you, I've gotten really two emails about The Force Awakens so far. Uh, I've heard from uh, Jimmy in Georgia, who's no longer in. And I've heard uh, from, I, I need to pull it up just to see who it was, because it's funny. It's not even a long email. So do you call him Jimmy no longer in Georgia now? I guess I need to. But yeah. Jim Jim Dossie sent in, and the, and the subject line was seven, in Roman numeral seven. And then the body of the <laughs> the body of the email is just all caps, awesome. So uh, so that's all I've heard uh, from from folks about the uh, the the Star Wars The Force Awakens. Other than people asking when are we going to record, when are we going to have anything to say? And guys, it took me a while um, to think about what I wanted to say and put my thoughts out there. My cousin Jason, a lot of you guys know at NCN on the Twitter, he called me the next day here. He and his son had gone that night uh, to watch it, and uh, when I told him I was kind of struggling what I thought, he um, he basically told me that it was like when Hulk Hogan uh, turned on the world and joined the NWO. That that I was actually world order. So yeah, so yeah, email us geekoutonline at gmail dot com geekoutonline at gmail.com. Facebook.com slash geekoutloud is where we're at on the Facebook. Uh, geek out, uh, at audibletrial.com slash geekout for your free Audible uh, trial. You can get The Force Awakens audiobook right now. It was out at the same time as the ebook was, just like all of their Star Wars stuff, very well produced. Uh, it's the narrator. I can't think of his name right off the top of my head, but he does a lot of the Star Wars books. I think it's Mark Thompson. Mark Thompson is who it is. That's exactly who it is. So, uh, check that out. Let that be your free Audible book, uh, audio book from audibletrial.com slash geekout. Geekoutonline.com slash shirts. Head over that way for your Geek Out Loud t-shirts, your Rock Out Loud, Mark Out Loud t-shirts. Get them over there while you can. There's some good stuff there. And if you want to go to our Tee Public store, just head over to geekoutpodcast.com and click on the link that says Geek Out Loud Tee Public store. And there's a lot of different Force Awakens shirts there, a lot of different things that we talk about on the Geek Out Loud and the whole Goloverse. So a lot of fun things coming up in 2016 in the Goloverse. January 23rd will be our marathon for Cure Childhood Cancer at CureChildhoodCancer.com. Yes. So it's going to be a fun day that day. We're, we're gearing up for it. Raise a lot of money. Hopefully raise a lot of money. So uh, put it on your calendars and be ready to go. Arish, my brother from another mother, thank you so much for joining thank in you. on this discussion. Can I, ju- can I just plug... Real quick. Plug away, sir. Alan, Alan Dean Foster wrote the novelization for The Force Awakens. The ebook is on sale right now. The hardcover with an eight page old school style photo insert goes on sale January 5th. And if you buy the book at Barnes and Noble, Barnes and Noble has an additional eight page photo insert in their special edition of it. Oh. Um, also want to give a shout out to Mr. Eric Geller, who wrote a great piece on the Daily Dot that uh, the 10 things we learned about Star Wars The Force Awakens from the novelization. Um, so check that out. There's some cool stuff in there that answers, you know, a few of these little things that we talked about today. 
thanks to Eric Geller for writing that really good piece. And, you know, check the book. It's a fantastic read. All right. Thus endeth the plug. I'm going to have to pick up that novelization just for those eight pages. That is old school. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, also, oh, I had one funny story I want to talk about, a collecting story. I'm so sorry. This is this will be my closing my closing story. Ladies this is and the end credit scene. Yes. Uh this yeah, this is the post credit sequence. I've gotten so much back into trading cards, Star Wars trading cards. The um physical or the digital? The physical. And I have gone on eBay. I now have something I never had in my collection ever. I've got a full set uh because I put them together through buying old boxes and old wax packs of Return of the Jedi Series 1. Oh, Tops nice. Cards. Um, I've started to do Empire now because my Empire Strikes Back cards that I had as a kid are cards I carried around with me and would look through, and they are just tattered and torn. I'll never get rid of them, but they're not in good shape. So I ordered, uh, I found on eBay someone selling two three-packs of old wax packs where they used to come in like a long plastic thing, and I told them, I'm going to open these things up because I'm trying to put together a set. And I want to do it the fun way. I'm going through. There's supposed to be 12 cards in each pack and a sticker. I turn the sticker over in the first pack. And there's a bald woman staring me in the face. Star Trek? It is a Star Trek sticker. In a Star Wars pack. In a Star Wars pack. Dude, that's like a crazy omen. JJ directing The Force Awakens. I just think it's sacrilege. <laughs> I think it's the force calling out to you. Well, I opened the next pack, Star Trek sticker. Next pack, Star Trek. So I emailed, I messaged the eBay seller, and I'm like, look, I'm just wondering if you've ever heard of this happening. Because it was like a, it was a well-fed back store, you know? They had a lot of good feedback. They're, collect, they're actually a but, store, you know, that sells stuff. And the person emailed me back a great explanation. Said tops people used to do this back in the day, where they would intentionally slip in some things just to mess with people. Nice. He was telling me that he bought a pack of uh, ET trading cards back in the day and got baseball cards in it. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, so so watch yourself. And if you got any trading cards you want to get unload, let me know. I'm 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 back in the trading card game for some reason because well I have a sickness. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. Those of you live at um, Mixer.com slash Goliverse. Again, Eric Schoenweiss, you're the man. Thank you for hanging in there with me. There's going to be more Force Awakens talk later on this week. We're going to be taking your calls about Star Wars The Force Awakens. If you're listening live, probably tomorrow night is when we'll be doing that. So stay tuned to the Twitter, stay tuned to Facebook, and we'll let you know. We'll see you next time, everybody, on Geek Out Loud.